0: Yeah. Oh man, that was awkward. It was so awkward. I mean, it was like so sweet. And then the guy's like, oh, actually that's my boyfriend right there. So stop kissing me. Nah, that was messed up. It was so awkward. So messed up. <laughs> oh, poor Care Smith.
1: Oh yeah, poor that person. Hey,
0: this is Mike. And this is Steve. And we don't know what we're doing. That's right. Each episode we pick something we're not familiar with or we don't know much about and we dig into it. What are we talking about this week, Mike? Well, this week we're going to be talking about
1: TV. Oh, what about TV? Um, The LGBTQ
0: plus representation in TV. Uh, ah, yeah. So this is going to be kicking off a series of a couple of episodes that we're going to do. Um, We've been talking a lot lately about how we all have kind of favorite TV shows from the past um, and movies and stuff too, but mainly TV shows. And as we have kind of revisited them recently, we notice there's a lot of problematic content in that stuff. Yeah. And we're not really sure how we feel about it anymore, how we should feel about it. And so we've decided to kind of take it to the podcast and kind of look into this stuff a little bit. Uh, and we're kicking this series off uh, in honor of Pride, Today, which is Pride, uh, so this is our first episode in the series about we don't know how to feel about TV LGBTQ That's right, Steve. Yeah. So I think to kick us off, we should do a little bit of a history lesson of uh, how uh, LGBTQ people became visible on television. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. Are you going to get into that, or am I going to? I'll get into it? it. Okay. Cool. All right. Because I didn't prepare. Okay. Actually I lied. I did prepare. Ah! Okay, well you can jump in uh whenever you you feel so inclined. Awesome. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean so today queer culture is kind of seems like everywhere on TV mm-hmm. in in some ways, uh but also kind of missing in others. Um, but we, you know, we, as a queer culture, we have not always been visible on TV. Um, it's actually pretty recent in the U S uh, I was surprised to find out, uh, when doing the research for this episode. So let's dig back a little bit and jump back in history a little bit. So I think to kind of understand this a little bit, we need to understand a little bit about how Hollywood worked in the past. And I want to talk about the Hayes Code. Do you know how about the Hayes Code? I do. That's
1: like some of the history Part of what you looked into looked too. Yeah
0: um what is the Hayes code so Steve? the Hayes code was actually called the motion picture production code and what that was was sort of like a set of standards and practices like a moral guidelines for what could be in motion pictures and this was all the way from god the 30s until 1934 to 1968 this is a long time that this was used It was a long time. Um, And it was started by a conservative publisher, Martin Quigley, and a Jesuit priest, Father Daniel A. Lord. Um, And it all started because I guess uh, religious audiences were crying for censorship in film at the time, especially after a bunch of scandals in Hollywood at the time started. A lot of sexcapades and alcoholism and things like that. Which I think is kind of um, ironic. Uh, if you think about what was going on in American history at the time, like the Roaring Twenties, you know, mm-hmm. like Bathtub Gin and, uh, you know, Prohibition and all that stuff going on. And then in America, they're basically trying to act like that wasn't happening by <laughs> censoring film. So I thought that was really interesting. So anyway. Who um, was So why is it called Haze Code? Well, good question, Mike. Uh, It's called Hayes Code because it was named after William H. Hayes, who was the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America from 1922 to 1945. All right. Um, So basically, this was a code, again, that was sort of like moral guidelines for film, Mm -hmm. and it kind of watered down Hollywood for a long time. Um, And it had a lot of topics that it covered. uh, But mainly what we're going to talk about today with what, what it covered was Kind of sexuality, interracial marriage, homosexuality, among many other things. Um, so what, it, did, what did it specifically like call out about um, those topics? Well, I'm guessing you have something you'd like to say, so why don't you tell us? I, don't know. I just
1: read that it uh, banned expl- any explicit representation of homosexuality or bisexuality
0: in yeah. American films. Actually, I, it said basically sexuality in general yeah. wasn't really to be shown in film. But it definitely like called the homosexuality and yes. bisexuality out at all. Correct. Well. Yeah. Um, so basically, this meant that movies basically couldn't refer to it at all. Couldn't refer to homosexuality at all, um, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it it was a big thing. So this went on until basically the '60s, and I was researching this a bit, and apparently a lot of people credit. Um, movies at the end of the 50s for kind of moving away from this because what was happening was the moral guidelines or this this Hays code was used for a long time but then as audiences started expecting more and more of stories uh producers and directors and filmmakers were able to kind of bend the rules more and more and a lot of people are really credit uh the movie some like it hot for kind of being the nail in the coffin for this thing do you know what that movie is Uh, Tony Randall? Tony Curtis. Curtis? Yeah. (laughs) Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis. It's a really famous movie with Marilyn Monroe also. Basically, the the whole plot line is about these two guys uh, in Chicago. They witness a murder by the mafia, and they have to flee to save their lives. Mm -hmm. So they flee by getting on this train that's bound for Florida. And to hide their identities while on this train, they dress in drag. They pretend to be women, basically. During this... There is another gentleman on the train who is uh, sort of pursuing Jack Lemon because he thinks Jack Lemon is a woman. Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but the kicker is at, at the very final se- the very final scene. Jack Lemon, you know, he's evading him the whole movie. In the very mm-hmm. final scene, Jack Lemon says, "Well, we can't get married because I'm a man," and he rips off the wig or whatever. <laughs> and the guy's basically just like, mm, "That's not a problem." <laughs> so basically, uh, a lot of people credit this movie as kind of like what started to kill the Hayes code because this was a insanely popular movie at the time and it basically threw all of the code you know they bent the rules so heavily Mm -hmm. that it was like why do we even have this code did they get in trouble for that no they didn't because it was just sort of like this unwritten rule also interesting thing about the code it wasn't like an actual law it was like a volunteer basis but if the if the studios didn't uh you know if the studios didn't comply mm-hmm. then they wouldn't get distributed because it was oversaw okay. by the distributors mm-hmm. so kind of crazy so anyway uh, that movie comes out in 1959 some like a hot and uh the following year they start to develop a different system which instead of censoring things would basically just label films with the type of content that they had mm. which is um basically the same system we have now the motion picture association of americas film rating system uh, which actually didn't actually roll out until almost 10 years later in 1968. Yeah. But basically a lot of people say that some like a hot was the thing that spurred the, the official downplaying of the Hayes Code. Interesting. And then I'm, you know, the way that it sounds, it sounds like it rippled throughout the industry, which yes. also touched on television. Yes. And I was reading also that like during the same time um, on, you know, while all this stuff is going on with the the film industry, Mm -hmm. well, the whole reason the Hayes code was a big thing was because it, if you didn't comply, your film didn't get distributed Mm because there's a different company that distributes it to all the theaters. Well, television of course is very different because the content is produced by the networks and the networks are the ones who are actually broadcasting at this time over, over antennas at Mm -hmm. the time. Right. And so the television broadcasters aren't tied to like the same kind of thing again, because it's not a law as a volunteer basis, so think about everything else going on in America at the time. There's like the the civil rights movement has has happened and is is ongoing. Mm-hmm. The sexual revolution of the '60s is happening, so you know all this is happening at the same time. And TV producers are able to kind of push the bounds of what's acceptable, quote unquote, on TV. Uh, which is really a threat to the studios, the movie studios at the time, because now audiences are able to say, well, there's really interesting content coming up in my own living room. Why do I need to go to the cinema anymore? So I think it's really interesting that this, this piece of history, which is about film, even though this episode is about television, I think it's really important to understand that bit of the history. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome um so then after that uh, i thought it would be really interesting to talk about some of the historic milestones in kind of tv history for okay. lgbtq culture and i think you did some work on this too i so did I, as well if i miss anything uh let me know i'm gonna go in order of dates of what i have here okay so the first thing i tried to find was um when was the first appearance of like a, a queer character In film or television and the first one I found was 1919 which was a German film called different from the others which is about a violinist who falls in love with one of his male students so that was a film and then uh, I found also uh, apparently there was a 1959 UK TV drama so it's United Kingdom produced drama however apparently it was about a Civil War a pre-Civil War U.S. Army lieutenant who visits a plantation and then has to face the truth about his secret sexuality with people on the plantation. Very confused by that. Makes sense, I guess. Question mark? Yeah. Um, But then basically, queer people didn't appear on U.S. television at all until the 60s. And even then, it was basically in documentary form. So September 11th, 1961 was the first documentary about homosexuality broadcast on American television actually started right here in the Bay Area on our local um, KQED station, which is mm-hmm. our like local PBS affiliate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called The Rejected, and it was a documentary about homosexuality, kind of like a discussion about it from experts at the time. Gotcha. So it was broadcast here locally first and then syndicated nationally. So that was like the first time homosexuality was broadcast into homes so uh, in America at all. Question on that. I don't know if you were mm. able to find out, but do you know why it aired here? In this area? No, I don't. That would be interesting to look up, though. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, we have such a large history of queer culture here in the Bay Area. Yeah. It, it almost makes sense, but I can't confirm that that's why. Um, so then the first network documentary was a few years later in 1967. Um, it was an episode of a show called CBS Reports, and the episode was called The Homosexuals. And this is a really famous episode. You've seen clips of this in a bunch of documentaries and stuff. Um, But this dealt with the topic of homosexuality, too. However, uh, queer people didn't really appear in popular American television until the 1970s, which is insane to me. Maybe 1971? 1971. So the first openly gay character on television was on All in the Family, which is a Norman Lear show, um, which you'll see a recurring theme here with Norman Lear um normally there's a big tv producer director uh, he actually does one day at a time the current version as well as the original version oh wow yeah is he uh gay string? no i don't think so he's just been a he's just been a ally? big proponent a big ally for awesome. for representation and uh diversity across the board so 1971 all in the family um basically the plot is that uh archie has a friend And he's kind of dancing around this topic of, like, who his friend is or whatever. And then his friend is basically like, no, no, that's my lover. So it turns out that Archie's friend is gay. And even though this is supposedly Archie's friend, he never appears in any other episode of the show, which I thought was really interesting. Which that, I guess, is a common theme about, about, uh, like, uh, LGBTQ um, representation throughout, like... A long time <laughs> yes for a really long time up until probably like the the 90s yes you would see that frequently that there would be like a queer character either someone that's gay that's trans it's queer uh and maybe they're a special episode but then they never appear again so similarly another norman lear show 1977 on the Jeffersons was mm-hmm. the first time a trans character appeared on American television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the episode where George finds out that uh, an old army buddy is uh, has returned to his life, George's life, and he is now a she. She is now a transgendered woman. Uh, and so that was the first time a trans person ever appeared on American television, which I was actually surprised. So I was surprised at these two dates i was surprised that it was this long before a queer person at all appeared until the 70s but i was also surprised that a trans person appeared this early in in the history yeah i mean you know and you know in the grand scheme of history Mm -hmm. that's that's not early but in the timeline of american television that's that's earlier than i expected
1: yeah and then also that it was played by veronica redd who was a female at the time mm, or, mm-hmm. or not at the time but at the she's a female
0: right so not it, an actual right. trans person yes right yes um so then also in 1972 so this is kind of between those two times there was uh kind of a ABC special movie called that certain summer do you know about this one no so this is a, another kind of famous movie um this was the first time that a, a homosexual relationship was kind of put on on display with, with a sense of empathy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Maybe I do. Okay. Go ahead. So this was, rather than it being like a very special episode of where that character never appears again, mm-hmm. this was a made-for-TV movie specifically about a homosexual relationship. It's basically, uh, it's got Martin Sheen in it.
1: Yes, okay. Yeah, I do uh, know about this one. So
0: basically, it's about uh, uh, a woman who... Loses her husband to another man. Mm. And this was the first time that a homosexual relationship was portrayed with a sense of, of empathy rather than hate or disgust or a punchline or whatever.
1: Oh, that's interesting because they could have taken it the whole other way. As, yes, uh, they absolutely uh, could have. This... S- scheming homosexual totally. took away my man totally yeah yeah it's evil
0: i also think it's really interesting that uh, it was played by martin sheen who has been a big ally for a long time and continues to be by playing a, a queer character even though he is in real life not queer plays a queer character to this day yeah on uh grace and frankie Gracie and frank Fra- grace frank- and frankie yeah that one on netflix <laughs> yeah
1: well this is funny because uh i don't think we're gonna have a what the facts section because like
0: all this is like stuff that I would have talked about. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. I thought so too. Like when we, when I was doing research for this episode, I my mind was blown by some of these dates. So notice that we're talking about. This is in the seventies. Mm-hmm. We've just talked about three big moments: the first openly gay character in All in the Family, the first time a, a homosexual relationship was shown with a sense of empathy. That's in nineteen seventy-one, seventy-two. Transgender. Then, not until nineteen seventy-seven does the first trans person appear in an episode. Then you don't really hear uh, much else or much more uh, development. There's there's certainly more queer characters on TV. There's more documentaries about queer people, mm-hmm. but the uh, the status of queer people on TV does not elevate. And for a really really long time, so let's fast forward to a couple of things uh, in the 90s now. Okay. So I'm gonna kind of jump back and forth a little bit. Um, the first time that we see a same-sex commitment ceremony, Ooh. 1994, and I actually remember watching this MTV, MTV, the Pedro real Zamora world. and Sean Sasser's commitment ceremony on the Real World, San Francisco. Did you watch that? I think I did. Yeah, I I remember kind of watching it on the sides. I was slightly too young for the Real World at the time, um, but I remember it happening. My cousins probably had it on at their house or whatever. Um, but I do remember that, uh, you know, a couple years later, I was old enough to understand what the real world was. I was mm-hmm. super into it. And the previous seasons were out on VHS at the time. Cause this wow. is, this was like, <laughs> oh you gosh. know, before streaming and stuff. Was that like 20 VHS cassettes? No, it was, it was like, they didn't, I don't think they released all of them. It was sort of like a best of, oh, and then MTV at the time also would do the like marathons of previous seasons Mm -hmm. so i was really into the real world and this was you know this episode aired in 94 i probably really got into it around 97 98 okay um and i remember watching that and it had like a really big impact on me you know because you know i am a i am a queer person so i feel like that and that was before i came out or anything but that had a really big impact on me watching that on tv do you remember do you remember watching it I do, I do remember it. I don't remember it having like
1: a giant impact other than mm-hmm. like I liked watching like different people's stories. Yeah. And like you know, they build up the drama mm-hmm. and the craziness of things happening. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. uh I think, you know, seeing that kind of representation, especially um, you know, coming from a like super Catholic mm-hmm. um, like household. Yeah. It was, you know, probably if grandma would have seen me watching that, she would have shut it off. Right. Right. At the time.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's the first time I remember maybe even seeing a gay person on TV. And certainly the first time I, I understood what AIDS was, mm. was from from that series. Uh, all right. Well, this episode is, we'll, we'll jump ahead here because this episode's sort of supposed to be about the troublesome parts. But again, it's important to understand the history. So then um, 1997, Ellen DeGeneres becomes the first openly lesbian actress to play an openly lesbian character on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was the one that I, I really remember. I remember watching this in prime time and feeling like the weight of like it felt important watching it when it was on TV. Do you remember watching that one? No. Yeah. Okay. I didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, okay. So then uh, the last couple dates I'll talk about here are um, and I think this is important is is when did we actually start to see queer people like, you know, being sexual on TV Actually, kissing on TV. Mm-hmm. These dates were very surprising to me. So this the is first like last year. Well, <laughs> no, it's it's not last year, but it's it's recent. So 1991 is the first time that we see a quote unquote passionate lesbian kiss on television, and this is on L.A. Law. Okay. So up until then, we had seen uh, women kiss before, but it was like a peck on the cheek or. There's, like, a in the background of one Star Trek episode, uh, Uhura does a uh, a mouth-to-mouth peck of another person, which was, like, a big deal at the time because it was a, an interracial kiss mm-hmm. and things like that. But their uh, background or their slide plot lines. 1991 what, was the first time that this was actually, like, a plot line of, of passion between two women. On was it a
1: kiss between Aurora and the person?
0: Um, was that... Uh... Uh, like a, it was a woman woman to woman kiss oh but it wasn't yeah. like a alien or like no a, no another type it's just of sort species? of like in the background gotcha yeah uh so that's in 1991 okay, okay on to that sure
1: yeah so um that character cj lamb mm-hmm. uh she was bisexual mm-hmm. and that was
0: like the first representation of a bisexual character in 1990 mm, interesting do you remember la law I remember the theme song, but I was too young to watch it, so I don't really remember yeah, much I about the show. Yeah, I might have watched it with my family like watching yeah. it, but I didn't yeah. pay attention. Yeah. Okay. So then, that's 1991. Fast forward so long to 2000, the year 2000. February 22nd, 2000 is the first time that we see a true uh, kiss between two gay men on television, which is Will and Grace. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, and so this is an episode. So it's a, it's a, and it's actually between Will and Jack. So it's not really a passionate plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time two gay men uh, kiss, uh, known as gay men on television. And the whole plot line is earlier in the episode, they're talking about, um, they've never seen two gay men kiss on TV before. Huh. So they go down to like the Today Show or whatever. And they get out in the or Good Morning America or whatever it is. And Al Roker's out there and they get the camera's attention and they kiss. And so it's an important thing, but it's also a, a comedy plot line. Uh, it's, not, it's not a revolutionary, passionate kiss. But then a few months later, May 24th, 2000, this is the one that shocked me because I don't remember this at all because I didn't watch it. Dawson's Creek is the first time that we see a uh, passion, like a, a actual love kiss uh-huh. between two characters, which is uh care Smith and Adam Kaufman at the time. That one blew my mind. I, I, I can't believe that it was the year 2000 before we saw this stuff on, on TV.
1: Huh. Well, funny. Um, I mean, yeah, it's crazy, but mm-hmm. uh, I remember Melrose place mm-hmm. that had a gay character mm-hmm. and I, I think that there was, I don't remember if they were going to show it on TV mm-hmm. or they built it up that where he was going to have a like a kiss. Yeah. The guy wasn't, like, in real life, he's not gay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember, like, they're going in for it, but mm-hmm. then they cut it and they, like, pan over. Yes. So they don't actually show it. Yeah, I
0: remember I remember that happened a lot in the 90s. There was a, um, gosh, I can't remember what it is now. There's a, I can't remember what it's called. There's a movie with Will Smith and Donald Sutherland, I think. And they do the same thing where Will Smith is going to have a, a kiss with the man. Mm-hmm. And they do the thing, they lead up and they cut away. I remember that happened a lot, like mm-hmm. in the 90s. So I thought that was really interesting. So that's the end of my dates, by the way, my history lesson here. But I thought that was really interesting to see the history of Hollywood with this Hayes Code, where they're like, you know, it's forbidden. Like if you do this stuff, your films won't get distributed. Then it gets, you know, kind of reversed. But it, it doesn't, it's not until the year. You know, or the 90s, until you actually see uh, gay characters kissing on TV. I thought that was crazy.
1: Yeah. Oh, I have another date for you. Yeah. 2016, there's a non-binary non gender uh, person on oh. show Billions. On Billions? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Taylor Mason is the character, and uh, they're played by Asia Kate Dillon. That's the first
0: non-binary character on mm-hmm. TV? Interesting. Non-binary. Man, and that's 2016. That's, what, four years ago? Yeah. Crazy. Ago. Insane. Um, Oh, also, I forgot to mention that if you are interested in more about the Hayes Act, the show Hollywood on Netflix is basically all about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Which we just watched. Yeah. And is really interesting. Really great show, I thought. Um, But basically, it's all about that. Huh. I mean, it makes sense now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, All right. We're going to get to some of the the kind of, you know, we talked about how uh, queer representation in TV has kind of come to be um but you know it wasn't always like this nice there's been some problematic content over the years too which we're going to dig into a bit but uh, maybe we should take a little bit of a break first yeah let's do that all right we'll be back all right we're back and we just
1: watched the uh Dawson's creek kiss episode yeah oh man that was
0: awkward it was so awkward i mean it was like so sweet and then the guy's like oh actually that's my boyfriend right there so stop kissing me Nah, that was messed up so awkward so messed up (laughs) oh poor care smith oh yeah poor that person yeah the the bully from final destination oh yeah all right anyway so we've just gone over the kind of history of how kind of queer culture came to be where we're at in tv now a very short history um but we're gonna kind of talk about the bulk of this episode which is like the problematic representation on tv right yeah um
1: i think that what some of the things i i found or maybe can like address or chat about are maybe i I mean a lot of stuff is problematic like Mm -hmm. It would take like weeks to, like, oh my go God, for... to go through everything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, just some things that are like pop, were popular or are popular. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of discussing that and thinking about like, okay, was that funny or did we even notice? Like, right. a lot yes. of the things I didn't yeah really totally. get at the time. And yep. then now it's like, oh, wow, that's pretty mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first thing I want to bring up yep. is Oops. Three's Company.
0: Okay. Do you know why? Uh, I mean, the fact that, I assume you're talking about the main plot of the show. Yes, which is only kind of discussed in, like, think the first episode. Yeah, of the but show. but as the I didn't show... know this until years later. Yeah, I didn't yeah. either. Like, Go ahead, tell tell everybody anyways. what the show's about.
1: Well, so you know, Jack Tripper is a uh, the male roommate to two females. Right, and the reason that they could live together is because he plays a gay person. Right, so he pretends to be gay throughout to their um, uh, landlord.
0: Right but, but in that, reality he's on the show, his character is like actually a big womanizer. Oh yeah, totally. Right. But anytime the landlord's the... around, he has to be gay quote unquote. Yeah. So that he can live with the two women. Yeah. But yeah. I did not pick up on that at all when I, when I watched three's company.
1: Yeah. I didn't either when I was little and then, you know, watching a few episodes like being older, like mm-hmm. a few years ago, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh. Like I had no idea. I didn't know that was the plot. Like the yeah. main big thing, like running it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot
0: wrong with that show. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah.
1: There's sounds wrong with that show. But, I mean, yeah. in regards to, like, you know, using the gay, like, trope, mm-hmm. like, the pretending to be gay to... Like, yeah. Because
0: the, the overall plot isn't necessarily problematic. I mean, it's problematic in that, like, it's discrimination. Like, you shouldn't have to be gay to live with two women. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. But like, okay, let's put that aside. The overall plot is like, all right, fine, we get, we accept that as a plot. Yeah. But it's the way that, uh, a quote unquote gay person is portrayed in that character mm-hmm. is what's problematic. And comments that are made about it, mm-hmm. and like, you know, the
1: faces Mister mm-hmm. Furley makes, or yeah, you know, things there's like a lot that. of
0: like, you know, quote unquote swishy limp wrist stuff that is seen as, you know, it was like derogatory at the time Mm -hmm. when now that's that's just how some people are you know like it's not good or bad people are just different if you're if you're more masculine or more feminine they're just different traits that different people have but it was played in that character as like this is how all gay people are yes you are you know you have a limp wrist you are more feminine you know uh and that is the problematic part to me
1: yeah i agree but
0: yeah i didn't notice that at all until i was older
1: um, another thing that I thought of was Bosom Buddies, so around the same time. Okay, I've
0: never seen that show. You never
1: saw Bosom Buddies? No, I'm not old. Oh my gosh. Okay, we, we let's pause and then record you watching the intro to Bosom Buddies. Oh God, okay, hold on. Okay.
0: Okay, I'm pulling up the YouTube, here we go. When we first moved to New York, we had a great apartment that was dirt cheap. Okay. And we found out why it was so cheap. This is Tom Hanks.
1: Our friend Amy said there was a great apartment in her building, dirt
0: okay. cheap.
1: But it's a hotel for women. Okay. We made Wait. one adjustment. This is... Now these other ladies, know says... <laughs> Wait a minute.
0: Yes, Buffy and Hildegard. They
1: also know us as Kip and Henry. Buffy and Hildes... Wait,
0: brothers. so it's basically the same thing as, like, Three's Company, except they pretend to be women. Yes. Instead of pretending to be gay, they pretend to be yes. women. Well,
1: perfectly normal.
0: This is Out of Control. That's what helped launch Tom Hanks' career. Wow. Wow. All right, well, so... So Tom Hanks, Peter Scolari, mm-hmm. they're dressing in drag to fit in so they don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar from our history segment from Some Like It Hot. That's true. Mm. Okay, so why is this problematic to you? Um, Like, is it the overall plot that is problematic?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean,
0: it's kind of the same
1: thing that was happening with *Three's Company is mm-hmm. that these people are faking being this um culture or group mm. in order to make themselves better
2: mm. Mm. like
1: using their privilege of being a straight person mm. and then leveraging the gayness
0: to reap rewards interesting yeah and that's kind of and what i'm sure shenanigans thinking. ensued yeah.
1: yeah of course yeah oh you Great.
0: Know, can't find the wig like all those other
1: oh my gosh things. yeah i've never so seen that show but gotta take off the makeup before you go out on a date mm. so
0: Yeah, but that's kind of where I was coming from for this one. So is Mrs. Doubtfire problematic? Uh, So So if you are the four people in the world who have not seen that movie, Mrs. Doubtfire is from the 90s, Robin Williams and uh, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan. Robin Williams is a man who gets divorced from Sally Field and then dresses up in drag as an elderly woman to have time with his children. He pretends to be a a housekeeper to spend time with his kids. Yeah, so that's kind of the same thing that we just talked about. He's using his privilege to gain access and reap rewards. So is that problematic? It is a little bit, I think. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's,
0: it's, now tell me why. Now this is interesting because a, a key plot point in Mrs. Doubtfire is that two queer people mm-hmm. help him gain this access. So does that make it less problematic? Ooh, that's even that's a good good question, Steve.
1: Um, I feel a, like maybe the only problem I to have to with
0: Mrs. Doubtfire is that like the main, and maybe with Bosom Buddies too, is like the overall plot point is deceit. Yes. So I don't think it's necessarily that they're portraying uh a, a, someone of a different gender because mm-hmm. in, well, I can't speak for Bosom Buddies, but in Mrs. Doubtfire, the overall plot is not making fun of that. It's it's not yeah. someone making fun of drag. It's not someone making fun of a different gender or a queer person. It's just they are pretending to be somebody else to gain access, and it's that factor of deceit that's problematic to me, I guess. And it's a
1: little bit more normalized because it has the two queer people, mm-hmm. like, helping out with that process. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I agree with the deceit. The deceit part is the, like, for Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I mean, there's
0: other problems with Mrs. Doubtfire for sure. Yeah. But like yeah. that whole, yeah. interesting Interesting. okay yeah but that yeah so do we think it is problematic in any time that a character uh, a straight male character cisgendered male character dresses up in drag to gain access in something as a plot device because i mean this is like this is a common plot device in like sitcoms right Really is. like if you look at i i can't even keep think of like how many but like Say by the bell, the guys dressed up. Um, like Screech dresses up as that. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> what's the what's the name? But to get into the the girls' the locker, girl's locker room, room. Yeah. I mean that is problematic. That is problematic. Yeah. Mm, okay, this, so maybe this we're is getting, a good thing a, to getting think getting about. Into, this is something to think about. What do y'all think? Hmm. So then I think it's like by extension is like, like what is that? What crosses the line there? Because also like drag, is is deeply rooted in queer culture right yes so like what is it about the plot point that is problematic
1: okay so then i can talk to it now because Mm -hmm. it's processed a little bit more and i think maybe at that time Mm -hmm. um you know when bosom buddies was out and Mm -hmm. you know three's company it was more making fun of like the laughs were at the Mm -hmm. the dressing up at Right, as, as a, a female or being a gay person, got it. Like it was making fun of that, and Miss Doubtfire mm-hmm. really doesn't do that. Right, Mrs. Doubtfire is more centralized of the deceit and the, mm. um, the family aspect, mm-hmm. and it's not like oh my god, laugh at right Mrs. Doubtfire because yeah. she's a right she's. Well,
0: there are parts where it is that, but yeah it's not but it's not in a not in a derogatory way yes. that I can that I can remember anyway. Yeah. And also in Mrs. Doubtfire, actually that now that we're talking about it, that deceit plot point actually becomes crucial in the end of the film. Yes. Because he learns that he should not have been deceitful. That's yes. actually the and end point of the film. And that's so,
1: the like the learning point. Like even though he was trying to leverage it, like right. he got punished for it. Right.
0: So yes. I mean, okay. Whew, I think I've I think I've justified Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Yeah. So, I think maybe then what we're getting at is like the, 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 even though uh, I think the, the problem with these plot lines or plot devices uh, that we're seeing of, of straight, uh, cisgendered men dressing in drag to get something is, is that, they are using it as a form of deceit, and mm-hmm. often there is no repercussion for that. They don't learn a lesson of, yeah. of getting that. It's just as a plot point that's funny, and then they get whatever they want.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So being the butt of the 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 trans part, being the butt of the joke. Mm. Well, it's not
0: trans. It's cross dressing. Cross dressing. Sometimes, but, sometimes know, it's pretending to be trans. Yes. 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 Okay.
1: Let's see some other things that came up. Uh, and we're really thinking about
0: this deeply now.
1: Yeah, we are. Um, so this other one kind of deviates from the show. Okay. From the like uh character. Okay. And this was more of a problematic thing that happened on a show, um, which was the Jenny Jones show in nineteen ninety five. Oh god. Do you remember this?
0: Uh I remember the show. I've never I don't know if I ever watched it. Oh really? Okay. Nineteen ninety five, I was nine. No, I was no I wasn't. Oh my gosh, that's a lie. I was uh You're
1: old. We'll move on. Um I so Secret Crushes episode. Okay. There was an episode where a gay man revealed his crush on okay. the male neighbor. Okay. So that did not go over well because the male neighbor was straight. Oh, I see. And three days later, after the taping happened, mm-hmm. they went back home. Three mm-hmm. days later, the neighbor, I guess, received this letter like showing like passionate things towards him. Mm. And he thought it was the, um, the gay male um, okay. person that liked him. Right. And he got a shotgun and shot him.
0: Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, that was so. Crazy. I guess this was not a show like Springer where everything was faked, it was these were actually real people. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy.
1: Uh, the segment never aired, and I think there's like um lawsuits that happen
0: and what I would assume but, so. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that in in general, I mean, yes, it is problematic to the point of like, why would you put that on TV? Yeah, like, like that, why would you... That is just automatically like you hear that the setup, and you're like. This is not good,
1: yeah, yeah, oh geez. okay, so that was pretty troublesome, especially okay,
0: great, what the outcome of that
1: all right, also though, I won't call
0: Jenny Jones popular <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was at the time I know,
1: I'm just teasing, I'm sorry, it wasn't uh Ricky Lake, she
0: was better, go Ricky, go Ricky, <laughs> go Ricky, all right, next, um,
1: so I guess more current thing, uh Rupaul's drag race, all mm. right. So this is, you know... A lot of problems here, I'm sure. A part of queer culture, you know, uh, gay man Mm -hmm. doing drag, leading a show that's, you know, trying to find... or Has contestants that are trying to be, like, the top um, drag star. Yes. So in the first six seasons, um, RuPaul had, like, you know... Well, RuPaul has catchphrases throughout. Oh, yeah. But there was a catchphrase for when the... Uh, contestants got male mm-hmm. that um, was problematic mm-hmm. um, because it was kind of a it was a trans slur, mm-hmm. and so um, in the sixth season they actually had a episode or uh, episode with a mini challenge, mm-hmm. and the contestants needed to guess if a photo was a biologically born female or a past Drag Race uh, contestant. Really? Yeah, that's so, not nice. And so <laughs> the name of the game that they included the transphobic slur. And they got a lot of flack for it, mm-hmm. and so logo after that logo like reevaluated. Mm-hmm. They went through and edited um, the male um, little quip, and mm-hmm. then also the uh, that episode. Mm. And I don't know if they show that episode
0: anymore. Yeah. But there's uh, a long history of transphobic problems with RuPaul. If you look it up outside yeah. that episode, yeah, yes, but uh,
1: yeah, they eliminated use of that word and mm. a few other words that were kind of uh or they were kind of slurry or uh, mm. derogatory towards the trans community mm. and um from season seven on they've changed, changed all that. It. so um you know that's kind of what i was thinking about for the adding this is because mm. you know it's within the community and also having to like look at the look at what you're doing mm-hmm. and then evaluate if it's good for the community or not and they mm-hmm. decided it wasn't and mm-hmm. so you know they took it off and mm-hmm. they continue mm-hmm. to do that so that's kind of where we're at now is like all these things are being reevaluated and being edited or mm-hmm. taken mm-hmm. off the air yeah yep um those are just a few i mean there's like i said there was tons of things and i don't want the episode to be like hours and hours long but those were just a, a few things that pop into mind mm. um And then other than that, I guess we could revisit this one because this is, uh, it goes both ways for this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Golden Girls. Yep. So I know we've been watching a lot of Golden Girls lately. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah, because it's like what you put on when you're cleaning the house or (laughs) making dinner.
1: Yep. But, uh, you know, a lot of the episodes back in the 80s, they didn't care
0: about what they were saying. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... I don't, it's, yeah, this one is weird to me because I feel like Golden Girls is an interesting show where they tried to do a lot to be inclusive Mm -hmm. in general. And I mean, in a lot of ways, inclusive of queer culture, inclusive of um, people of color Mm -hmm. uh, in, in many ways. But at the same time, the the language that they used and particularly in some of the punchlines is yes. just not acceptable. Yes. So um, punch lines so it's towards... like overall the show tried to do a lot of good, yeah. but there's definitely some very problematic content. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. People were always a punchline. Yeah. I feel like that's the same with a lot of, a lot of, you know, we're the whole point of this episode is like, we're trying to get through and discuss a lot of popular stuff. And I feel like a lot of really really, really popular TV shows, they suffer the same thing. Like Friends is a really good example, right? Friends Mm -hmm. is arguably the most popular uh, sitcom of American television history. Yeah. And it's still funny to me to this day when I watch episodes of it, but there's so much on Friends that is just problematic. And if we're, you know, speaking to like queer culture, which is what this episode is about, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of punchlines that are around... Chandler being gay. Chandler or... being. Chandler, or yeah, making fun of Chandler for having traits that are stereotypical as gay. Yes. And like making that an insult. And yeah. Like he there's... likes Oklahoma. He can recite that. Right. If you know, if you can understand what miscongeniality Congeniality is through the wall, <laughs> you know it too well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's also plot lines of like, there's that episode where uh, I think it's Joey and Ross, they find out how to take the best nap because they fall asleep on each other on mm-hmm. the couch. And it's not sexual at all. But then it becomes like a big funny gay joke which yeah. is, you know, it's like, oh, is that necessary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of problematic stuff on that show that's but then, like that. Then also,
1: like, kind of like we can go back to Golden Girls uh, in a minute, but mm-hmm. we'll stay on Friends. Uh, Friends had the first lesbian uh, wedding. However, that
0: is a problem. Why is that a problem? Did you notice it's the first lesbian wedding and the two women do not are not shown kissing at their own wedding? Hmm. That's not surprising. Yeah. I mean, I guess not. But like, I don't know. It just feels like um, if, because they were already like the most popular show on television at the time. It's the cutaway. It's the cutaway. And it's just also like, I feel like it's just like, it It feels like, I don't know. It's it's easy for me to say this now. Television is such a different place now than it was uh, 20 or or even 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, But like, it feels like now shows when they have that much success and that many eyeballs on the screen, they now shows want to take the chance to, to take a stand for something. Mm -hmm. And back then it was like, we can't risk the audience, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's different now, I guess, but it's also just, it just feels disappointing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, going back to golden girls, you know, they also had, uh, you know, some good parts to it Mm -hmm. regarding like the homosexual and gay uh, Mm -hmm. community. Yep. Um, Dorothy's friend, Jean. Remember that episode?
0: Uh, yes. This is when she has the friend who turns out to be a lesbian, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the friend's a lesbian. Dorothy knows it. Rose does not. Right. And I don't think... Uh, and Blanche knows as well. Right. Right. Yeah. But the friend gets the hots for Rose or something. She's fond of Rose. She's fond of Rose. Very fond of right. Rose. And Rose doesn't deal with it well?
1: I can't remember. Yeah. She doesn't deal with it well. Yeah. Yeah. But she comes around, bit, you know, mm-hmm. at the
0: end of the episode, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. I actually think it's it's interesting because, um, you know, Gold Girls, like you, you mentioned earlier, like this is this is one of those examples where, like, there's some problematic lane in language in like the jokes in this episode. Mm-hmm. But the point of the episode is is to try and increase acceptance. Yeah. Is the overall point of the episode. And you see the same thing with like, um, uh, I can't remember all the episodes exactly, but like there's several episodes that were like Blanche, you know, who's like, she's like the Southern belle Mm -hmm. comes from the Confederacy family, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And she has a brother who's gay. Yes. There's like a gay marriage episode and she doesn't deal well with him coming out or whatever. And yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of problematic punchlines, but in the end, they did a lot of firsts, uh, mm-hmm. where they're trying to get, you know, audiences talking about this stuff and accepting this kind of stuff. And do you know why? Uh, no, I don't know why. So that episode was written by a team of gay writers.
1: Which which one? Which the episode? episode? Where her brother is coming out? Uh huh. I didn't see about the gene one, but uh-huh. the, definitely the one where her brother comes out and can do the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um. Gay writers wrote that. Mm, interesting. They went on to create Desperate Housewives.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I think at the time, too, it's like a lot of people weren't um, vocal about their, like how they felt or mm-hmm. things that um, were um, issues mm-hmm. like that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was just the oh my gosh, this is representation. Like, we have to, like, at least, we have this.
0: Yes. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, part of my research, I was uh, looking into, like, how, you know, part of my research about how did we get to where we are with queer culture. Mm -hmm. um, I came across a a quote from Harvey Firestein, which is a clip from The Celluloid Closet, which Mm -hmm. is the 1995 documentary about queer culture and film. Mm Mm-hmm. And he talks about that, and he used the words that, like, in the early days, like, of queer people becoming on TV, he used the words visibility at any cost, mm. which I thought was really interesting, because you're, you're right. It was like, it's okay to be a punchline, because, of, well, at least we're on TV. Yeah. And then First, once you're
1: on TV, then that's when you can right. push for the change. Exactly. I'm not just a punchline. Yeah. Like, exactly. I have a background. I have a story. Right, right. yeah.
0: yeah. Um yeah, another one that kinda comes to mind too from around that same era from the nineties is uh Roseanne, which I mean Roseanne had a lot of great I mean, she's a super problematic, you know, figure now. Mm-hmm. Um but back then she had a lot of great plots that were, you know, really important episodes about talking about social change in, yeah. in the country at the time. But the one that comes to mind about what we're talking about today is the, the episode where Roseanne has a friend who kisses her, Mm -hmm. the lesbian friend who kisses her. And I feel like that's similar to like the golden girls one where you're talking about the Dorothy's friend, where it's like the whole point of the episode was, was, good because it was like trying to show like acceptance in a community Mm -hmm. but when the actual kiss happens like Roseanne's character does not handle it well and she like she's like and like wipes her mouth off and it's you know it's supposed to be very funny and haha and gross Mm -hmm. um even so even though the whole point of the episode was in that sort of like the right direction like the the format in which it was delivered was kind of off yeah yeah I feel like that was probably a theme throughout the 90s of similar plot points like that. Mm-hmm. Like even, even Seinfeld where it's like anytime they mention a gay character at all, they're like, oh, I'm not that way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like yeah. over and over and over throughout the series. You know, where it's like they want to make a point that's like, oh, we can make this gay joke, but it's okay because then we're saying not that there's anything wrong with that.
1: hmm Yeah. it's oh, very interesting. Yeah. Now you have me thinking of like just representation overall. And then mm. like um uh Martin. Mm. Martin. Oh, had with Shine. Yeah. yeah. Martin played Shenane. hmm And yeah, I I don't I think that's an you know another instance where it was like the funniness was the character and not because she it was him dressed right. up as a woman. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was a character. She was like supposed to be like a Person that lived in the right in the thing, but yeah. I wonder if people laughed at it because it was him in the
0: dress. Sure, sure. Well, and I mean, I mean, think about like Eddie Murphy in like the Nutty Professor movies. Like, oh he's playing a gazillion different characters—some male, some female. Like, I mean, that's—I feel like that's the same thing. It's it's funny because you know what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily like uh, it's not the same as some of these other things we're talking about, where yeah. it's like the character is taking on the appearance of somebody else to gain access to something that they don't ever have to pay repercussions for. This is just like, it's not even the point. It's like, it's funny to the audience because you know who's really doing it, but Mm -hmm. it's not part of the plot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The deception isn't there. Right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that was a fun trip down memory lane, I guess, talking about some of these old episodes, good and bad. Um, but I think, you know, the whole point of this episode was, as we have been talking about this in, in our day-to-day life, as we start, you know, kind of rewatching some of this stuff, and we've kind of been really trying to grapple with, how do we feel about this stuff now that we're, you know, older, wiser, whatever? Mm-hmm. So one topic I want to touch on is, like, why didn't we notice this stuff when we were watching it originally. Uh, like some of the Three's
1: Company, Buzz and Buddies, I was yeah. too young to... Well, yeah, obviously some of them were that. too young.
0: But like <laughs> but like Friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was arguably old enough, especially toward the end run of that show. Friends ended in 2003, so I would have been 20-something at the time, 20-ish mm-hmm. uh, at the time. So I certainly was old enough. And I do remember picking up on some of those like plot lines where it's mm-hmm. like the gay jokes or whatever. But like why is it that they bother me now, but that they didn't then, you know, mm-hmm. I think part of it is just because, well, I guess at the time also I am in a different place as a, as a queer person now than I was then, you know, mm-hmm. when friends was in its main run and I was a teenager, I was not out, uh, for the first part of that. And then even when I was out, um, I feel like America was a different place for queer people than it is now. Like, I feel like, uh, there was still a lot of that. I mean, there certainly is still a lot of fear for people though, when they're coming out of the closet. Um, But I think back then it was, you know, we didn't have as much representation, a lot of the good representation on TV that Mm -hmm. we kind of spoke to earlier. And so um, maybe that's where it was coming from. I actually, I actually looked, looked into this a little bit about like, kind of like, why do we feel different over time about some of this stuff? Mm -hmm. And, I found an interesting, really interesting research study, a research series of research papers um, that I'll be referencing in a few of our episodes. Um, But there's a cool research project called pop justice. um, And it was a research report series of them. And the whole point is to talk about uh, diversity, inclusion representation across our popular media and how does that impact uh, public opinion on things. Mm -hmm. And so Um, One of the things that I think it's volume three of it talks about um, that in social psychology, they have a theory called intergroup contact theory, um, which I guess actually dates back to uh, around the time of the beginnings of the civil rights movement when psychologists um, hypothesized that contact between members of different groups under certain conditions can work to reduce prejudice and intergroup conflict. So basically what that's saying is is like the more you're exposed to people from different groups, Mm -hmm. the more um, accepting you are of them. Mm -hmm. And so when I think back to like that example that I just gave of like, why did it not bother me when Friends was in its first run, but now it bothers me now? I think maybe that's part of it, right? Is that... Uh, growing up, I didn't, you know, even though I was queer, I was coming to terms with it myself. I didn't know a lot of other queer people, certainly queer adults Mm -hmm. at that point in my life. So I didn't have exposure to that. It was, I still personally felt a lot of shame at that time. And so maybe those jokes at the time felt appropriate because it's like, well, that's just how you're supposed to feel. Being Mm -hmm. queer is something that you should feel ashamed of. And now our, you know, as we talked about at the opening of the episode, like, queer culture is in a lot of tv now and so you're exposed to it more and Mm. now maybe that's why it's like as i have grown as a person and understand who i am like we're now as just like a culture we're we're starting to accept it more widely as well and understand each other more widely as well and so now it's looking back with the knowledge that i now have i see why that's problematic yeah Looking back in that with that lens,
1: yeah. your current lens, because yeah. you've gone you know through a lot of experiences as well, and I think uh, that's a really good point. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that being exposed to more people that are of that uh, certain community yeah. or mindset, and mm-hmm. also um, you know the representation that's out there mm-hmm. isn't just a joke anymore. Totally, it's people that have relationships it's people that have stories mm-hmm. it's commonalities people that are in families just like yours mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know you can see oh well i can see myself in there and i can empathize with yes. them and i think the empathy part is the biggest piece because yes. um you know if you can empathize with someone then you're more likely to um stick up for them mm. or you understand them mm-hmm. and um you know, vo- be vocal when you feel that something is not okay totally
0: yeah It's funny, I think that word empathy is really interesting, too, because if I'm being like introspective on myself Mm -hmm. again, you know, like throughout this episode that we we are kind of wrapping up here, we have talked about, you know, kind of how queer culture came to be on TV as it is now. And then um, we kind of stopped our little history lesson of like, you know, and that's when gay kisses happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, now that we're talking about this part, I feel like one of the other uh, disconnects I had as a young queer person was. Um, you know, after, after like that Dawson's Creek kiss, for example, mm-hmm. you know, then it's sort of like, that's when all the other shows started to kind of come on and you had Showtime doing Queer as Folk mm-hmm. and the L word and things like that. And I think about, even though we started showing more queer people on TV, then I still had a harder time connecting with a lot of them. Like Queer as Folk, for example, had a very stereotypical uh, view of gay men yes. as as a plot device right there was uh, a lot of um a lot of uh, casual sex mm-hmm. a lot of drug use a mm-hmm. lot of like going out and drinking and things like that and as a young person that was very very foreign to me you know i i grew up in um in you know kind of like the suburbs mm-hmm. but it was a very um diverse suburb and so seeing this like basically like all white cast doing all this crazy stuff in a city felt like super super foreign to me. And so even though that was supposed to like, quote unquote, be part of my culture, Mm -hmm. it, I didn't, it didn't resonate with me. And I feel like maybe that's another reason that uh, things feel so different now is that over time Mm -hmm. we are starting to see queer people um, uh, portrayed in less stereotypical roles. You know, like you think about uh, like Modern Family, for example, has uh well had the show's ended now mm-hmm. but had a queer couple as main characters but you know and yeah they had some kind of funny plot devices at some points but they weren't this stereotypical uh thing they were shown as more of just like an average family getting by in la you know yeah although i
1: i yes but i'd also throw in that there were issues Like oh they, there were there many were, issues with there that were issues show. That yeah. they, they did portray stereotypes. Oh,
0: absolutely. Um, I just think it's it's different than the uh, the other side. It's it's that's just it's just one example of like you're seeing a more wide variety of queer people on TV. You look at one day at a time uh where, you know, her daughter is is a queer person now and it's it's not the plot point of every single episode, but sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And that's how like real life is. Like sometimes your queer identity is the main part of your life, and sometimes it's not, you mm-hmm. know? I don't know. I just think it's really interesting thinking back on how TV has evolved so much over time. Yeah, and I do have something else to the, Ooh. to tag
1: on to on Modern Family. Yeah, do tell. So how many episodes do you think it took
0: for them to actually kiss? Um, gosh, I don't know. I'm guessing several since you're asking. Take a guess. Was it in the third season? Take a guess. I I don't know. Just 12, give me a number. Twelve. 12? I don't know.
1: No, they didn't kiss on screen until the twenty fifth episode, or it mm. took twenty five episodes for them to kiss on screen. So that's mid second season. Second season, and yeah. it was in the background. Mm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was. So that's an, that's out. an interesting question too. Now, what do you feel about that? So Modern Family is interesting mm-hmm. because you have two uh gay characters Mm -hmm. only one of them is gay in real life what do you feel about that is that so i guess what i'm what i'm asking is now that we are seeing more queer representation on Mm -hmm. tv uh what do you feel about uh straight people portraying gay characters on tv rather than gay people playing gay characters on tv
1: That's a good
0: question. Kind of a trap of a question. Yeah, a super trap.
1: Actually, I was going to, I had wrote something about this also earlier Mm. about like Will from Will and Grace. Mm, mm -hmm. Because, you know, he's Mm -hmm. a cisgender uh, white male playing a gay male. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I I think this might go back to Harvey's quote where you're trying to get that representation out there and you accepted that that happened. Mm -hmm. But I think now that that's over, like it would have felt maybe felt awkward to have it change but i mean that's tricky because now i think if it if it was on now
0: yeah i don't know yeah it's it's a that is a tricky subject like it does feel like we're maybe it's like we're at this uh tipping point maybe mm -hmm. where it's like now that we are seeing more queer culture on tv maybe we need to start paying more attention to who plays those roles yes i think i think it would
1: for representation, mm-hmm. I think it would have been better if there was a gay person mm-hmm. that was playing his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see like if things will start changing now, like if people will start being more vocal about that mm-hmm. and having, you know, uh, changes come through mm-hmm. because you know maybe a person that's not straight or mm-hmm. a person that's not gay is playing a
0: right. not straight person or yeah. you know, yeah, and, I and think trans we, as well. Yeah, and I think it's like it's. I think this is where it's like an area where we need to really be careful and thoughtful with how we think about this, because I don't think it's necessarily about you must fill a role with the person who is that role. Mm -hmm. I think it's more about um, giving the opportunity for those voices or those people who actually are that community to fill those roles mm-hmm. and if they're not right for it if they don't choose to play that role that's okay yeah but i think it's just more we need to have more of an opportunity for queer people to play queer roles on tv moving forward which i feel like this is going to be another topic a similar topic in another part of this series oh, yes. that we're going to talk about which is another thing that's happening right now where it's like yeah people of color um you or characters of color being portrayed by people who are not people of color yes so, yeah, I didn't want to kind of go too far into that. Yeah, yeah. That's but be like, I feel like it is kind of related of in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I am curious about, Mike, mm-hmm. is, you know, today is is Pride. Um, and, you know, for listeners who don't know, Pride comes from a, a history of social revolution, from uh, an uprising by uh, queer and trans people and women of color mm-hmm. uh, at the Stonewall Inn in New York back in the 60s. And so I wonder, you know, as we've come so far on TV, mm-hmm. you know we have certainly uh, are, we have certainly been represented differently on TV over time. you yeah. know we, we were not represented in the best light in some of the old shows. and uh, now we are repre- our culture is represented in a very different way as, as characters. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh,
1: you know, some of the early depictions of homosexuals were usually like of a child molester or mm. victims of violence mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. or drag queens and like out funneling, the, uh, you know, people into that, the mm. homosexuals into that, into like a, a stereotype or mm-hmm. a,
0: an automatic negative light.
1: Yes. Mm. Or the very special episode. And like you said, yeah, you never talk about it. Again. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's come a long way, especially, you know, going back to the empathy part, you know, I think a lot more people are able to empathize, mm. uh, learn the people, learn people's stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, queer Eye, mm. like I remember when Queer, queer Eye came out, yes, like the original, yes, like this was like, oh my god, like there's a representation of m- multiple queer people right. on TV, right, interacting
0: and, with non-queer people, yes, yeah, um, which is really interesting. I, I'm actually really glad you brought up Queer Eye because um, I've thought a lot about Queer Eye. Between the original run and mm-hmm. the current run mm-hmm. on Netflix, and in a lot of ways they're really similar, but in a lot of ways they're very different, as well. You know, and I think, um, you know, er, earlier in this episode we've mentioned a couple times that like visibility is everything was mm-hmm. was kind of the mantra, and I feel like that's kind of what Queer Eye was the original run, yes, was was getting at. Um, you know, and I think just the title of it, you know, it was Queer Eye. F- Queer for the straight, I, for the straight guy was yeah. the original title. And I think it was sort of like that visibility uh and and acceptance was sort of like the main message mm-hmm. of that original run, where it was like, we're hitting you with stuff you've never seen before, and you're just gonna have to deal with it, you know. <laughs> and sometimes we're over the top, whatever. And some of those aspects are certainly true mm-hmm. on, on the newer run, but I think what feels different on the newer run is it's not only about visibility, it's also about inclusion Mm -hmm. and acceptance. And in addition to just like, and I think that goes to the title again, it's now it's called Queer Eye More Than a Makeover. Uh, Okay. Uh, And I think a lot of that is like, you see a lot about what happens on this newer run is, um, you know, kind of introspection for some of these people who are the, the people getting them the makeover or Mm -hmm. whatever they, they are dealing with, uh, their own demons in life or they're dealing with meeting queer people for the first time mm-hmm. uh, and understanding how that affects their life. And it kind of goes back to that, that social psychology aspect, you know, of like, you know, being exposed to different types of people makes you feel more comfortable and inclusive of those other types of people. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: you know, keeping on with that, you know, I think watching Pose, mm-hmm. you know, not really knowing, um, I've known some trends people in mm-hmm. my life, mm-hmm. um, but you know, not knowing kind of the history of kind of uh, where some of these things came from, mm. like the ball walking, mm-hmm. the RuPaul things, the House mm-hmm. of X Y Z, and learning about what that looked like and how. The families that they created within each other, mm-hmm. like within uh, their groups and yeah. community, yeah, to support each other, that yeah. was really good. Now yeah. I suggest that y'all watch
0: Pose if y'all haven't seen it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. It's it's really interesting to me to see how you know queer storylines are really evolving mm-hmm. over time. You know, like we, we talked about like the Dawson's Creek kiss. Yes. And like that was the big thing about that. It was like, oh my God, it's two guys kissing. Mm-hmm. And now you fast forward whatever that is, twenty something years. Mm-hmm. God, is it thirty years, maybe? Uh to something like Pose, where it is a, a it is a entire series of all about queer people and their struggles and their identity and, and not only queer people, but queer people of color on top mm-hmm. of that, which their stories are traditionally not shown and especially not shown on television with a big budget. Yeah. So I think that's really, really cool to see. And I hope we see more of that. I agree. All right. Um, well, on that note of kind of seeing more uh, people, I think uh, let's wrap this up with uh, a couple of things that people can, can kind of go to for more more learning sounds good or or more uh, immersive uh, queer culture on tv so there's a couple of things i wanted to call out uh if you're interested in learning more about uh queer representation uh on tv and in film um there's an excellent new series on apple tv plus called visible out on television uh and this is a documentary series that explores the the history of queer culture on tv uh, in a much more thorough, much more uh, researched uh, way than we have here <laughs> with some great interviews, great clips. Uh, some of the clips and episodes that we actually talked about on this episode are featured in the first episode of that series, so highly recommend that. Um, also, we mentioned it earlier in the show, The Celluloid Closet. It's a 1995 documentary uh, about homosexuality in Hollywood. You can get that on iTunes or Vudu or whatever you get your your movies. You can get that. Uh, And then the last one I wanted to call out is, you know, a big point of this episode was us talking about how do we feel about this stuff now? Mm -hmm. And what was problematic? And there's a really great podcast out there called Gayest Episode Ever. Uh, And this is a really cool podcast that kind of goes deep into some of these episodes from pop culture um, and goes through the uh, the plot of what was the plot? what was uh, problematic about it, and then they talk about it. Like, how do they feel about it and what should we know about it? So check that. I can get that on iTunes, Spotify, all those good places. Um, what about shows that are a really good um, representation of, of queer culture inclusivity? Well, we
1: already mentioned Pose. Yep. And that that is a little bit, uh, has a little bit of uh, campiness to it, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ridiculous things that happen, but I think overall, like it's good to, to watch mm-hmm. and learn about the the stories. Yeah um queer eye we already talked about yeah I think uh it's a really good thing I have friends that are uh straight mm-hmm. and they really like it oh yeah um not just like they're moved by it yeah it's it's also
0: feel good TV mm-hmm. queer eye is really good feel good TV
1: um shits Creek
0: oh yeah that's a good one yeah shit's Creek which just finished uh which was on pop and the first several seasons are streaming on Netflix now uh which is actually a great call out because it has uh a big queer um, storyline and characters, Mm -hmm. not the main part of the show, but they are, that's a great example of how uh, queer characters and queer storylines can be integrated in a empathetic way. Awesome. Uh, Sex education. Mm, Yeah. That's another good one. That's a a Netflix original here in Mm -hmm. the U S not safe for, for not safe for family, (laughs) not safe for work, Uh, but great writing. uh, Really funny. Mm -hmm. um but yeah really inclusive as well there's a vita Mm, i don't know what that one is tell me about that one it's a show with queer women of color oh cool yeah we haven't seen it yet okay
1: uh you can see it on hulu amazon prime video and stars oh nice we'll have to add that to the i think actually y'all make it
0: we make it Mm -hmm. sony oh interesting okay
1: we as if i have anything to do with it and what else? What do you think? What are
0: some other ones that you would think? Uh, of? one day at a time. Oh gosh, yes, yes. One, one day, day at, at a time. time. Was originally a Netflix show, uh, but it's now picked up by Pop TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a Cuban family in L.A., but tackles a lot of really cool issues. Another Norman Lear, uh, show mm-hmm. who we mentioned had very important episodes. Um, uh, one of their one of the main characters is. Queer, and she mm-hmm. dates a non-binary person mm-hmm. on the show, which is really really cool to see. So some of the plot points are really about that. They have some really uh, important conversations about coming out to family, mm-hmm. acceptance of older people in the family. Mm-hmm. It's a really good show,
1: and that's not just uh like like to embrace the gay gay culture. No, it's no. got uh, Latino culture, mm-hmm. uh, the family uh, dynamics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so if yep. you're interested in opening your mind to those type of things. Yep. Definitely watch it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, there's some good ones. Um, I'm curious to know, like, what do our listeners watch that they think is a really good representation of queer culture in TV? So tell us your favorites. Uh, You know, shout out to us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to be adding more stuff to our queue. So let us know. All right. Well, this has been a really interesting discussion. I mean, you and I kind of have been talking about this kind of lightly on the sofa as we're watching some of these shows, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad we actually did some research and and, uh, talked about this a little bit more.
1: Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, I know that, like I said, there's lots of problematic things and we Mm -hmm. could have found tons of uh, issues like throughout many, many, many shows. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we discussed this.
0: Me too. And I think, you know, I've talked about this with a couple of friends. I think it's important to realize like, just because a show had some problematic stuff that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it anymore doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you need to stop watching it i think it's just important to acknowledge what you liked about the show Mm -hmm. and then acknowledge what was uh what is now problematic and you can separate those two and i think what's more important is as we see current content being created Mm -hmm. with the knowledge that you have it's important to call out and identify when something's not right on T V. And if you see something that's a representation that doesn't feel right to you, then that's what you should be calling out and that's what you should be talking about with your friends. It's okay to, you know, still enjoy this old stuff and talk about it like we have here. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more important to really focus on like the current content coming out now and like with the new context that we have. How can we, you know, fight for more inclusion and more representation? I like that. All right, good. I'm glad.
1: <laughs>
0: well should we wrap this episode up? let's wrap it up all right music for the show is by Dmitry banoff and Adi goldstein with vocals by chad Gonselmo. thanks chad thanks everybody for listening liking subscribing all that yakety schmackety uh we're glad to be back in the uh chairs doing this and uh let us know what you think we'd love to hear from you and until next time see you later bye